You are listening to Best Life After Cancer, episode number 14. Welcome to Best Life After Cancer. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where cancer survivors and caregivers can get solutions and support to overcome the life challenges brought by their cancer diagnosis. If you are ready to release your fear, regain your joy, and reduce your risk, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Butzbach. I am so excited tonight to have a dear friend with me. The person joining us tonight was originally a coworker. He was a great friend, someone I really enjoyed working with. Um, he is a dosimetrist, and I'll let him tell you what that is. But unfortunately, at one point along the line, he became one of our patients, and he is here to tell you his story tonight. Chris, take it away. Tell him first, tell him what a dosimetrist is. Sure. Um, I'm not sure my parents know it just yet, even though I've been doing it for now 35 years. But uh, uh, what a dosimetrist does in a radiation oncology department, we do a lot of the behind the scenes work. Um, basically, we take the initial uh, CT data set that, the, that the, the physician orders, and we have the physician draw on it um, the target that he or she wants us to, to uh, shoot the radiation at. And it's our job to come up with the best angles, the best, uh, uh, the best approach uh, in a virtual wor- world. We're working all in computers, but uh, the best approach that'll do what the physician wants in terms of target dose, um, but also the adjacent normal tissues we, we avoid to the best we possibly can. And that's what a dosimetrist does. And that's what I've been doing for quite a long time. And, uh, um, and as Deb indicated, we work together for certainly the better part of 15 years. And uh, um, we're, we're still friends, even though I, I fled the coop a few years back, but, uh, but anyway. So I, I forget what year it was exactly, but tell everyone how all of this started. I have a lot of memories about this, but you know, yeah. we'll start with your memories of this. Yeah, they're neither are good, I'm sure, Deb. But if, if back in 2011, um, I was diagnosed with a sarcoma. Now the the backstory on this is uh, I had a knot in my leg uh, for the better part of a year, and. Uh, you know, it's it's amazing, but I just kind of ignored it. I just thought it was a pulled muscle. Um, my wife finally uh, told me that she swore this thing was growing and that I need to see an orthopod. I thought it was kind of silly, but uh, but okay, you know, I, I do what my wife tells me and she made the appointment for me. And I went and I explained to the doc, just like I explained here, that my wife made me come in and the funny part about it is he too thought it was nothing, but the dictation that day is hilarious because it, it says, uh, ordering an MRI, patient comes in because his wife really wanted him to come in. So uh, uh, that that's the story I gave him. That's what we thought we were dealing with. So that was uh, kind of in May of 2011. And uh, what do I do? Um, well, I put it off because... I had a son that was graduating college at the time and early in June, and I was not going to miss that. So I saw him graduate and uh, on the way home, my wife said, well, you are going to get that MRI, right? And I kind of, okay, I guess I will. So I scheduled it and it was uh, June 11th when I got the MRI um, that morning. I got off the MR table and and, uh, 
the fellow Mike was the MR technician, and he said, Chris, I'll walk you over to radiology. And I thought, oh boy, that's really sweet of Mike. You know, he's going to take me to the radiologist so I can, I can see what the reading is. So we go over to radiology and sure enough, hanging, you know, there, there on the monitors was this large, angry lesion. And, and, uh, you know, I was kind of hoping it was, wasn't me, but it was an MR thigh. That was my exam. And, and the physician, the radiologist was to me, Chris, uh, uh, listen, I hate to tell you this, but I'm positive this is a sarcoma. That was, uh, that's how it came about. Yeah. Uh, you saw your films before any of the rest of us did. And then I remember you came back to the department and you were sort of shell-shocked. And I think, did you have them up in dosimetry or did I go over to radiology? I can't remember. Uh, I remember. And uh, basically I came into dosimetry because... I, and as Deb will tell you, I was kind of in a, in a daze and um, I said, I, I, I think I have a sarcoma and, you know, within seconds, you jumped out of your chair and pushed me out of the way because you wanted this, I, you know, they're over there, Deb, if you want to see them. And, and, and sure enough, you ran over and I guess you talked to Dr. Kwok at the time and, and yeah. uh, saw the films and, and uh, <laughs> you you had a mix of uh, uh, anger and sorrow. And the anger was because I think you knew I had sat on this thing for, for a year. I think um, I did know. I, and I was pretty, I was not just, I was pretty pissed off at, in the moment. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. you knew at that point that I had lost a good friend in college. And I really, really was concerned about losing another person that I really loved to to cancer and um from a from a physician standpoint when i looked at this it had all of the really scary risk features so in terms of sarcomas the bad things are if they're big if they're very aggressive looking with lots of different like densities in them so some areas are very dense and some areas are not so dense and this thing i mean it was it was one of the ugliest i'd seen and yeah, looking at that, knowing it was a friend that I had just been sitting next to, um, I was I was really sad and I was really scared and I was actually pretty mad too. Yeah. I was pretty mad at you for, you know, how could you let this happen? How could you let this grow? I remember just having yeah. a lot of the feelings that that patients and their families. You say this, Deb. I've, you know, I carried a lot of guilt for uh, several years beyond that because of what I jeopardized by not getting this attended to at a better time, you know, I knew what I had done. And again, looking at the image, this is a nasty, aggressive thing we're yeah. looking at. And did I, by being a knucklehead, did, did I jeopardize my future and, and, and my family? Right. Thank God for Karen, right? Thank God for Karen making Absolutely. you making you get that MRI. Oh my goodness. So then pretty quickly we got things rolling and we got you in to see one of the really good sarcoma surgeons. And tell us a little bit about how that went. You know, what do you remember about that? Well, it was it was weird. Obviously, you know, I left work that day, obviously, and I, I drove home, and the, the tough part was going to be talking to my wife, because she knew 
that I never miss work. And she knew I was having the MR that morning. So my wife's not not a dumb person. And, you know, I, I explained what I, what it was. And, and obviously she was upset, uh, you know, that just intensified my own guilt uh, because I had done this. Uh, but we had on the drive home, actually, I don't know if you recall this, Deb, but you called me on my cell on the drive home and told me that I have an appointment Monday morning at nine o'clock with, with this physician and this specialist in uh, uh, Philly. You had done some leg work, found out two was the guy I should go to and, and got me an appointment, which um, I have no idea how many strings you pulled to uh, get me a nine o'clock appointment with the surgeon to see in, in Philadelphia in, uh, in, in less than eight hours work day. You know, it was, yeah. it was crazy. I don't, I don't remember who I talked to or what strings I pulled. I, ultimately, he outlined a course of radiation before you went on to have the surgery. And we ended up doing that at one of our facilities. How'd that go for you? It was very, very strange, you know, because I'm a clinician, but now I'm a patient. And and a number of times during the process jumped up and and struck me as just incredibly odd. I mean, just, just the basic of I go into the department and ordinarily I go to the dosimetry department. And, and sit down and I, maybe I get a cup of coffee or start working. I'm a patient. So I stop at the front desk and they're entering my name into our computer system. They're entering my name. And, and it just, it, that was one of those moments. Like, it's almost surreal, right? Wow, this is yeah. real now. And I have a seat in the waiting room. Uh, I, I, I don't know that I had ever spent any time in the waiting room. Uh, wait for my name to be called. Um, um, I go in and uh, uh, I saw Dr. Ari, um, who was the chair of our department at the time. And, and that, was, that was a tough uh, exam too, because, you know, growing up in our professions and, and um, uh, whenever I talked to Dr. Ari, he had, he had kind of smiling eyes. And because and, uh, uh, half the time he was, he was goofing with me, telling me something silly or something. But, uh, um, but his eyes were sad. And, and I'll never forget that. And, and I don't ever want to see that again is, is I went to simulation, uh, very, very difficult on the staff um, because many of them had been therapists that I had been involved in their training. Um, it was really difficult for them. Uh, one of them, you know, broke down and, and I said, look, the best thing you can do for me is do exactly what you've been taught to do. And that's, that's what I need from you now. That's, that's what I need from you. And so it was, not only difficult for me, but I think it was very, very difficult on the staff. And, and you know, I still feel bad about that um, because that was a tough day. Uh, you know, uh, at that point, I, I go home. Uh, I, I'm told it's going to be a couple weeks. Uh, that was kind of an interesting time, too, because I know based on who I am, uh, a lot of people are going to look at my plan. Uh, you know, the, the dosimetry that, uh, that normally I would do, but I did not do for myself. But... Uh, uh, a lot of pressure on the dosimetrist that did do it. I remember you had your CAT scan of the chest to look for any spread of disease while I was on vacation. Do you remember yeah. that? Uh, that's that's a that's a pretty funny story, and it's in and of itself. Uh, uh, as if you've listened to earlier podcasts, uh, Deb has a wonderful home up in in the Maine woods, and. Uh, 
and she's been kind enough to let us uh, go up several times over the years, and we love it just as much. But I, I know how difficult it is at that point to receive and send phone calls. I mean, you literally had to go out on a, on a second floor deck and kind of hold your phone at a different place. But anyway, uh, I get off the CT table uh, because they had, to, they had to check my uh, lungs because they're looking for metastatic disease, which was a weird thing too. When I explained to the technician, they asked me, why are you here? And I hear myself say, they're looking for Mets in my chest. Well, that was another one of those very, very clinician versus patient odd days. But anyway, the study gets done and, and I get off the CT table and the staff was kind enough to, they were going to walk me over to uh, radiology to get a reading. But as I'm walking, my cell phone starts vibrating and I'm thinking, I, I can't answer it. It looks like Deb. Okay, whatever. I, you know, so I, I get the reading and the reading was my lungs were clear. So that was really a big day and I was very excited about it. But at that point I thought, gee whiz, you know, Deb took time out of her had out of her vacation. So I, I look at my phone and it was the weirdest text I think I've ever seen. Uh, and I think I'll ever get, and it was just, Hey, Chris, I'm so glad you don't have metastatic disease. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> what a great thing Deb, to say to a friend, right? <laughs> right. Deb knew before I did number one and number two, that probably violates certain HIPAA laws. But, uh, but if you understand our relationship, it was, it was touching because I knew what she had to do to make that phone call to the radiologist. I knew she was up there with her wonderful children, her husband, who told me afterwards that Deb was a wreck until I got off the table. And, you know, it just, I'm, I'm still touched to this day, Deb. Still touched. So we, we got you through your radiation. How many treatments was it? 25 treatments. It was a lesson learned, Deb, um, because... That, that time on the table, despite the fact that I had my leg immobilized, I knew how important it was for me to hold still. I, my leg started shaking at times halfway through the treatment. And I knew, you know, how fine we've made our fields um, because we don't want to treat areas that don't need radiation. But there was nothing I could do. My leg was just shaking. It, it, it taught me a lesson uh, that I think is carried over into the work I do now. That was probably the worst part of the radiation. I think, it, uh, you know, a little redness, but not much. It, it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. And then you went on to have surgery. I did. And they removed a giant chunk out of your leg. They did. They took a whole muscle uh, that, you know, its origin insertion traveled from my hip down to my knee. But fortunately, the, the nice thing, even though it was very, very large, it was encapsulated in the um, in the fascia, the coating that that holds holds the muscle in place. So, despite the fact that there were some really bad aggressive factors, there was also some things that you know we could pin our hopes on anyway. Yeah. Um, the surgery went well. You know, everything came out. We had a good response with that. Um, but we had a little scare a couple of years later. We did. Basically, um, at the time, I was getting serial MRs and CTs, MRI for my leg and CT for my chest. Every three months, I had to get these for the first two years. And just as we were getting to the end of the two-year mark, um, something was seen on the MR. And it was very, very small. But when they looked back uh, a couple 
images back three months earlier, they could see it there too. So they decided to wait one more routine. We'll get one more MR and sure enough, it got a little bit bigger. So the fear is that this is a recurrence. We don't know. The doc couldn't tell me. They tried to, they tried to biopsy, but it was so small that they really weren't unable to, even with the aid of CT scanner. Um, so the physician, initial surgeon gave me my choice. Well, we can kind of sit on this, um, not knowing what it is, or I can remove it. And, and my wife and I, th- it was a no-brainer. Whether it's benign or not, we don't know. So yes, we want you to do the surgery. It's okay with us if it turns out clean. Heck, that'll be cause for celebration. And, and sure enough, it did come out, uh, come out clean. So, uh, so we were pretty happy about that. But, uh, but that was just another thing that was tough on my wife. You know? yeah. What, from your standpoint, was the hardest part of all of this? Without question, the hardest part was explaining to my wife and then explaining to my sons. I, I have two boys who I cherish. Obviously, as I had mentioned, the one had just graduated University of Oregon. The other worked at a Jesuit volunteer. He was in San Francisco. They were driving home together, cross country. It was there going to be their big adventure, and they were driving home. I had to tell them because this was this was over a weekend, and I and I was seeing the surgeon on on that Monday. So I had to tell them, but I but it it frightened me. It frightened me, and um, that was the only time I, I held it together for the phone call because I didn't want them driving like crazy to get home. And there's nothing they could do anyway. But that was without question the worst part of it. It was worse than, than the surgery, worse than the radiation, um, was explained to my sons. That's the only time I wept was after I got off the phone. I held it together for them because I would, I would never, you know, I didn't want to put that on them. But, uh, but that was the only time that, uh, that I really broke down because again, uh, there was the guilt feeling that, you know, what have I done here? That was the worst part, Deb. Yeah, definitely. It's always so hard with the family, right? Right. Um, what do you think the best thing that you gained? I gained some really, really interesting concepts, Deb. And, and basically, we don't know the social situation of our patients. We know real well medically what's going on in their lives. But I think at times, maybe I would think of a patient as being difficult because maybe they didn't want to come in when we wanted or, or, or uh, you know, for whatever reason, they were not doing the game plan that we had laid out. But what this said to me was that, that our patients, it's a lot more than medical. You know, there, there may be childcare involved. There may be transportation issues. There may be financial reasons that they can't come in when we want them. So it, it, it taught me to be much more um, accepting of, of what the patients are going through. Um, that's one of the lessons I learned. A big lesson I learned was uh, from a, a friend of ours who's a uh, recovering uh, uh, melanoma patient. Deb, you touched on this uh, in one of your previous podcasts. Um, she told me that she found her cancer liberating. And that just blew me away. And I, I, I said, what do you mean liberating? She says, well, what it's enabled me to do, Chris, is, is appreciate 
everything that goes on about me, around me. She says, you know, the cable guy not showing up, uh, the store's out of milk. Those, none of that matters anymore. It's about living today to the best I possibly can. It's, it's being with, there for my children, uh, breathing in the air, uh, enjoying the sun. It, it's liberated me to do that. It's, it's moved me away from the silly things that when all is said and done don't really mean anything. It's, it's allowed me to, to just let those roll off me. And, and it, it's profound. It, it was, I found that profound and, and, um, and, and I really like that. I think that's such a good lesson for lots of people. Uh, you know, I think that's one of the reasons I've actually always loved being in oncology because I think that I have that same experience every day dealing with patients and realizing that, you know, nobody has any guarantees and I'd rather just have some enjoyment in every single day because right. no one knows what their future has in store for them. Well, the way I, I always look at it, Deb, is, is uh, you know, you think of the worst thing that can happen to you today, right? You're driving home, the car starts steaming out the engine, and it's, you've got a blown engine. That's the worst thing that you could have happen today. But for my patients out in the waiting room, they would substitute that worst thing in a, in a heartbeat. heartbeat. In right. a heartbeat. Um, and, yeah. and I, all I these small things that. don't matter. Yeah, it, I mean, it, I, right. it, it, it seems big, but it's 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 not. not. It's, it's just not. it's just an inconvenience. Right. If it's not life threatening, it's just an inconvenience. Yeah. So amazing to find that afterwards. Yeah. And now this question is one that I've been thinking about a lot, and. I think it's such an interesting thing that I've been asking lots of people. If you could remove having had that cancer and everything that came from it, would you? That's a really good question, Deb. That's a really good question. If you knew that it also removed everything that you, everything you right. learned, everything you took from it, every, you know, all the other little branches that went out into your life, my life is different. My life is different. I think it's better. I, I think my life is better. I would agree with that. I, having cancer is not something I really would want to do again, but, uh, but I like who I am better. I, I, I like my life better. I, I think, again, uh, looking back at that philosophy of, of every day is a good day because I don't have the time to have a bad day. Every day is a good day. And I, and so I really like who I am now, uh, and, uh, and I'm not sure I would be this person if I didn't have my cancer. I'm not really answering your question directly. No, I think, that is, I think that is an answer. You know, I think it's so interesting because I've talked to a, a number of people, and many of them say, oh, yeah, there's no way I would give this experience up because I learned so much that I wouldn't have without it, and I'm a different right. person, and I think I actually – got more out of my life than I would have without it. I think that's yeah, such I, an I, I interesting and great way to look at this. You know, I know for you, there have been things that it have brought that haven't been great. I know that you've had some issues with, you know, mobility and pain, but. Those are small, those are, those are small prices of pay. And I, and in fact, at times I'll tell people that the, I welcome it because it reminds me, you know, and that's okay. I don't, 
I, I don't want to forget it. I don't want to forget it. Um, I, as I, I don't know whether you know this, but this past weekend I participated in my first sarcoma walk fundraiser and it was a big deal for me. I'm nine years out now and I had never done this because I just, um, you know, I, I, I looked at it that I don't want to uh, uh, poke the bear, you know, um, and uh, I've come to the realization that if you live like that, then you're not, you're not letting go of it and it's still got a bit of a hold on you and I don't want it to. And this was a big day because it was something I wanted to do and I really got a lot out of it. Walking with, with coworkers, walking with patients, um, it, it was a, it was a milestone for me this past weekend. I'm, I'm so glad I did it and I'm, I'll, I'll do it again. That's awesome. I'm so glad you did it too. It's been so much fun talking with you tonight. As you know, I'm so glad you don't have metastatic disease. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been such a, such a privilege to know you over the years and work with you. And I tell you this all the time, but I still miss you at our site almost as much as I did when you left. Feeling as usual. Um, but I still miss you all the time. We had and so much fun, bud. We did. <laughs> All right. Thanks for being with us tonight and I'll catch up with you soon. Thanks for listening to Best Life After Cancer. Did you know you can get more information on my website, bestlifeaftercancer.com? There is also a Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD, where there is a group just for survivors. Here you are able to interact with me, ask questions and get more help. I'd love to see you there. Have a great week and I'll speak with you soon.